is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where it is time for our Seahawks news round up and chat as Ty coughs because he has been ill which is why it was slightly delayed but a delay is not a bad thing Ty because we have a lot of Seahawks news to talk about yeah it allowed for a lot of stuff for uh, to happen especially over the last uh, 24 48 ish hours so we got a lot to get into I, I mean what do you want to start with we got a lot to go over today well we could do it chronologically and also in okay. reference to your thumbnail. Ooh. Yeah, you know what? Let's just let's just dive straight into it, right? I I did some digging today on the uh old uh, US Today image archives to find the perfect picture for this episode for the thumbnail. And uh that's because we got some uh some Russ and Pete beef to get into. What's going on? Tell me about it, Maddie. So the Athletic published a story on what day is it today? Saturday. It is on Saturday. Friday. Sort of usually on a Friday, you don't expect to wake up to news. But anyway, you wake up to news midday. That uh, the Athletic reported that quarterback Russell Wilson requested the team fire coach Pete Cowell and general manager John Schneider, and so he supposedly did this in February 2022. And then within days of that call, of course, top team officials met and they decided to, you know, pursue trading Russell Wilson. Uh, the quarterback also apparently had a preferred replacement in mind, Sean Payton, who'd obviously at that point in time recently stepped down from the New Orleans Saints. He's now coaching Russell in Denver. And Wilson, basically, his obsession with winning, being winning uh, MVP awards, also Super Bowls, he was convinced that Carol and Schneider were inhibiting his quest to to achieve those goals. So, honestly, I wasn't really that surprised at any of this, but it's kind mm. of the, for, for you know, for the Athletic to report this, I imagine guys like Mike Sando, you know, highly reputable. It is still, despite not being surprised, it is still like, wow, this is, this is quite, it's quite the story. Right. Well, and context is very important here when we talk about this and talk about how it was reported. This was a story. I mean, this was a tidbit within a story about Russ's first year in Denver. This is not a Seahawks hit piece uh, necessarily. This was just a detail that was included and has ultimately become the, the biggest takeaway from the story for a lot of folks. Um, yeah, it was like a little intro to yeah. a Broncos piece. And so, you know, I'm not surprised by it, like you said. Um, you know, I think a lot of people can, you know, put two and two together that uh, for Russ, it was a, you know, me or them type of situation. Um, I, you know, I think maybe for some uh, felt that it was just, you know, Russ, no matter what, just wanted to change the scenery and he wanted to go elsewhere. But I was always kind of under the impression that he would stay in Seattle so long as he had things his way and i i just think that you know the the relationship had or he had moved past the need for that relationship 
Uh, it's incredibly disappointing to hear. Now, it's very important for us to mention here, though, that uh, Russ's legal team, you know, issued a statement and said that these are, you know, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but unequivocally false or uh, fabrications is essentially how they uh, classified uh, the report. Uh, and then Russ, you know, took to Twitter and said, you know, Pete's like a father figure to me and John Schneider believed in me. And, um, you know, I never wanted them fired. I, you know, we just wanted to win and that's it. Um, but my personal opinion on this is Russ has denied things in the past that have turned out to actually be true, like him requesting a trade. You know, maybe he didn't personally request the trade, but his team, specifically Mark Rogers, did request the trade. He did give Adam Schefter four teams that Russell Wilson would be well would be open to be traded to. Um, and then Russ proceeded that whole summer to deny that. Um, I am going to go out on a limb here and say that uh, he probably also did this, or Mark Rogers more specifically did request to uh, Jody Allen and company that uh, Pete Carroll and John Schneider be fired uh, before he was traded. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's really disappointing. Um, and it just, it continues to ultimately tarnish his legacy. I mean, it depends on, you know, how you feel and what your point of view is as a Seahawks fan and how you really feel about the whole situation. But for me personally, I feel slighted by it. I, I, I feel like, you know, really, no quarterback should uh, should feel that he's in a position to to do this. Not even Tom Brady to go over the the head coach to go over the general manager, who ultimately are the reasons that he was there to begin with, uh, and ask for them to uh, to be fired. Um, so it's just it's 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 upsetting. How, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I get that standpoint, and I guess important context is like it's definitely a messy divorce and we you know we were building towards this point like remember the prior off season when Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson not demanded the trade his agent Mark Rogers told ESPN Wilson's told the Seahawks he wants to play in Seattle but if a trade were considered the only teams he would go to are the Cowboys Saints Raiders Bears so yeah obviously there's been this this you know we knew that there was stuff going on for a while, there was all that talk of him going to the Super Bowl and watching, uh, who was it? Was it Brady versus Mahomes? It was Brady, and it was because of Antonio Brown. And remember, he campaigned for Antonio Brown, and then he sees Antonio Brown catch a touchdown from Tom Brady in the in the Super Bowl and all this stuff, and yeah. Right. And yeah. and so, you know, there's context behind that as well. And, and so there's also the context that the Seahawks did explore the possibility, you know, per multiple reports, of trading Russell in 2021, you know, and who was the chicken and who was the egg, you know, who, who actually initiated that, um, you know, if what led what to what, you know, yeah. we don't know for certain, but this, this just feels like one step further from 2021 and that off season, like Russell going to ask the team, to, you know, Hey, you know what, like just fire. Um, just for both of them uh yeah. let's just try something else i'm the quarterback here and yeah it it's not that surprising and obviously have, when you have an agent like mark rogers and I, that gives you an element of plausible deniability like R- russell himself may not technically have been the guy to ask for the trades and mm-hmm. you know the that gives him a, his legal team a, a response like that as well and him right. saying I, you know, I never wanted uh, them fired. 
that's uh yeah fine but fine but at the end of the day i think the actions of his camp are reflective of what ultimately russ wanted and so yeah, yeah. Uh, and i think it's very safe to to say that um definitely and so and remember the seahawks basically you know in their own words said exactly the same thing when he was traded like you know right. russ wanted this <laughs> and so you know it, and it, it adds a lot more context to how that team acted during week one and how pete acted during week one and how much that game really really meant to them um and i mean you hear the stories now about like uh you know just how pumped up pete was pre-game like he's running through a whiteboard and all this stuff i don't right, know if you, right you heard that from uh was it Quandre that talked yes, about Quandre that but, Diggs, yeah yeah and then you know you hear t- uh Tariq talking bad about uh russ and obviously Tariq wasn't part of the russ era but like it, it's clear that you know a lot of guys there you know whether they spoke nicely about russ after his departure in the media did feel a certain way about it did feel slighted by russ and i think that's you know partly because a lot of those dudes were really respect pete and if you disrespect pete who's a legend at the end of the day whether you you know philosophically um disagree with pete you don't disrespect pete like that you, you don't do it in that way and how this is being reported and i think that definitely rubs a lot of guys the wrong way it probably has them feeling you know some type of way towards russ uh right now so you know um yeah man it's just it sucks because it's like you know at the end of the day like i still don't have any doubts that you know eventually the relationship is going to be mended russ is going to end up going into the ring of honor he'll have his jersey retired and all this stuff in seattle um and he'll he'll get his flowers as he deserves not uh, for a while sucks. though yeah but it, yeah yeah not for for a long time and that sucks that it had to you know in this way and that it continue and that more stuff like this continues to come out even in a year after the relationship has ended uh that continues to you know essentially tarnish his legacy in seattle and you know and i know that part of this as well with him like coming like feeling the need to come out and say on twitter like you know because he could have just ignored this yesterday he could have just let it go like whatever yeah i saw like, um i saw fox news was uh was tweeting about it like yeah. national um national oh i was on youtube organizations like, like half of the recommendation half the recommendations i was getting on youtube were videos about it were like podcasts and like clips from first take and uh fs1 and all these you know networks talking about it like it was a huge thing yesterday it was specifically the the part about him requesting for you know pete and john to be fired but um you know i think the reason for him you know that he really felt the need to come out and say uh or to dispel the 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 rumors or, or whatever you want to you know consider him um uh, was because he wants to try and protect his legacy in, in seattle he wants to he is look you know there was some reports that came out after week one that when he got booed that that upset him that hurt him and i mean it has to right you give 10 years of your of your life to the city and everything and then you end up leaving and then you know you come back and people hate you <laughs> like you know and so that 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 i i'm sure that's that's really you know struck a chord with him and so he wants to try and protect that as much as possible but again like why like why should i believe russ like what what why should i give russ the benefit of the doubt after you know what he said about the the trade request yeah because i i was covering the team when 
that happened when he had that press conference. I had to write an article about that press conference. So that is still very fresh in my mind. And it's just, it's like, dude, come on. Like, clearly you, you did. Like, there's four specific teams. Like, there's all these reports. Like, you requested a trade. And then, you know, you end up getting traded, not even, a, you know, a few months later. Like, it, it, it's clearly, it's clear that you want it out. Like, just say it. Or just don't say anything. Because I feel like him coming out and denying these things more and more and more just makes things worse at the end of the day. And for a lot of folks, you know, if he is concerned about protecting his legacy in Seattle, that's only going to harm that even more. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, I do think this is a lot of people, you know, talking to Russ in his ear. The seeds were planted, I think. Russ even got like, gaslit even by like, Twitter into thinking that he could cook. <laughs> well, yeah, even like the let Russ cook stuff. Like yeah. I understand the sentiment behind that, but I do. It creates. I mean, Mark Rogers is active on Twitter. Believe me, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he's active on Twitter, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, all that stuff just we were going to get to an end point like in this way. It was kind of inevitable. There was no real room for like how Russ saw himself and and the way that um you know P Carroll wanted to use him and deploy his skill sets and the way that John Schneider wanted to construct a roster that was just constantly jarring to the point that you know Russ almost became bigger than a bigger than a quarterback really or tried to become one or or tried to become a quarterback like a say a Tom Brady who I mean he kind but of But even then even but even of, when but even when Brady and Bill had philosophical differences, he, Brady didn't go to Robert Kraft and be like, hey, you need to fire Bill Belichick. No, <laughs> this, know, like, this is pretty outrageous, yeah. 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 And it didn't work. Like, so yeah, that's unfortunate for Russell. Now, maybe, you know, this year in Denver, he's got the guy that he supposedly wanted in Sean Payton. We'll have to see how that turns out. Personally, I'm not sure. Like this article goes on and says about how, you know, they're running basically what Russell wanted to do. They're doing a lot of things Russell wanted to do. And okay, Hackett was a complete mess and there was a lot of other stuff uh, going on in Denver. But like ultimately, we saw the same kinds of offensive ideas. I think the only thing Peyton would do is try and remove more of those true dropback situations and replace them with runs, like as we've spoke about, as what Pete Carroll wanted to do. And Peyton's not yeah. going to take any crap. Like he's he's putting his foot down. So that'll be I mean, very he's already interesting put his foot down to with observe. It. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It's, that's that it's news. Pretty, yeah. That's, it's, oh. it, it, that was pretty wild to read. But, uh, you know, we'll see how uh, how the next couple of years go in, in Denver for him. Yeah. And and to call it, like, it's not clickbait. Like, it's very, if you read the whole article as well with the Bronco stuff, it's very important background. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, finished off in a nice way of, like, you know, uh, Russell was really wanted Sean Payton as the replacement for Pete Carroll and, and John Schneider in Seattle, and then it finishes it off with saying now he's got that that guy. Yeah. Like it's uh it's it's a really good article. Um, yeah. and the Denver stuff is fascinating. Like that is just such a mess. And we yeah. we'd like heard pe- like people were talking at the combine very candidly, very openly to all sort like people they didn't even know about. Um, Denver and Russell Wilson and stuff. So that's like big people. So not really surprising that this kind of piece has come out now. It was also approaching 
the anniversary, the one year anniversary of that, which is March the eighth, three eight, the 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 big day. Um, I remember that day very well. <laughs> yeah, never forget. Um, yep. They go. I did not so, think I was going to have to do anything for work that day. And then I look at my phone and oh great <laughs> well then then the uh the second tower bobby wagner he he also second tower. yeah okay yeah yeah okay yeah 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 keep going okay there you go he unfortunately uh was also he left the team that day didn't he yeah he did yeah. he did yeah yeah right okay so other... do you want to talk about robert wagner no. Oh, uh, okay, the, yeah. Let's is that what we're Bobby getting Wagner. into? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So, Bobby Wagner, who was an all-pro linebacker, according to the Associated Press, and according to Pro Football Focus, who are in the business of grading players, he was their number one overall uh, off-ball linebacker. However, unfortunately for Wagner, although it's not like, the worst thing in the world, I guess, he was released from his contract by the Los Angeles Rams, which mm-hmm. I think ended ended up turning out that he'd earned like one year, $10 million, uh, and now he's a free agent. He also didn't waive his uh, guarantees, so he's a king. And, uh, you know, he represents himself in negotiations, which is very Great cool. agent. Great agent. But you have to ask with those accolades, yeah, okay, Bobby is aging, right? Like he is yep. 32 years old. He turns 33 in June. But with those big time accolades and honors and all of that stuff, the Rams did this to save $5 million. And they presumably couldn't trade him either. And mm-hmm. uh, so why that's, that, you know, suggests a dis, uh, discrepancy between. The, the grading and the voting compared to how NFL teams view him. Or maybe it is just that 33-year-old off-ball linebackers does not, you know, translate so much to value. Anyway, Ty, mm. inevitably talk of Robert Wagner, Bobby Wagner returning to Seattle, given their need at the position. Cody Barton, free agent. We'll have to see what happens there. Jordan Brooks coming off an ACL injury. No yeah. real depth behind these guys. Yeah. You know, should they... Hey, don't they besmirch the name of, of Tanner Muse. Yes. <laughs> Is he still under contract? I think so. No, think there so. you go. Or maybe and he's then, an RFA. Uh, Johnny, like Johnny Rattigan. <laughs> and yep. uh, um, Nick Bloor, kind of. Not really. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk Seattle, about him later today. Seattle signed was it was it was Bam Johnson the the inside linebacker? He got uh no the Bam, cheese, Bam Johnson was the uh cheese. Uh, uh, are you talking about the guy that played during the wild card game? Yeah. God, why am I blanking on? His I name? think that was cheese. Was that cheese? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh yeah, so I see Quandre Diggs campaigning pretty hard for uh for Bobby, and he even tweeted uh you know like twelves like let Bobby know how much we want him back and all this stuff, and then Bobby responded with the you know the eye emoji, the the infamous eye emoji. So maybe there's some interest there from Bobby as well to to make a return. 
I'm not into it. I love Bobby. Oh. I love Bobby. That's uh, uh, like, trust me, I, I'm such a huge Bobby Wagner fan. But doesn't sound like him. Yeah, obviously, I uh, I'm just a hater. Clearly, at the end of the day, uh, but uh, I I no, <laughs> he's he's no, uh, it's just he's not anywhere near as as good as his PFF grades would would say and. You know it sucks to say, but like he's he's lost a lot of speed. He he's not good in coverage. Like he's a he's you know he can still rush the passer a little bit, you know, and that's about it. Uh, True. But, you know, there's a role for that, but I don't know. Like, how much is he going to be able to leverage his PFF grades and all this stuff into getting paid? Like, how much money is he actually going to be able to get another team to pay him? Because I mean, like if you can get him for only like a couple million bucks or whatever, fine. And he can just kind of be like a utility player for you. Okay. Maybe you can make that work. You know, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that a little bit, Maddie, but if I don't want him locked into a, you know, starting spot where he is like playing 90 plus percent of the snaps. <coughs> sometimes, me, so. Yeah. Sometimes you have to go back to go forwards, but I don't think this is the, the, the occasion. Now, it does speak to the fact that Seattle really last year should have delved into that intriguing linebacker group of the the draft where there was some very interesting round three, round four options, round five. But Wagner would inhibit progress. Like, Ironically, the coverage that Seattle's running now suits Bobby better than what they were doing in 2021. They've changed systems. They're running that kind of Fangio-esque style where the linebackers don't have to turn and run backwards with roots and they don't have to cover as much ground. They're yeah. more kind of in the low hole of the field. They're also just like hugging a running back or, or some, they're kind of playing more north-south, which suits Bobby's game. But the problem is like he cannot move anymore. Like he's not agile. He, he yeah. really gets kind of stuck in, in the ground. Yeah, the lateral or, movement is gone. It's, yeah, just, it's, I, it's gone. I, and we saw that in 2021, but even with the Rams, where they're running the same kind of coverage system as Seattle, similar rules, but they did so many things schematically to, to try and remove Wagner from those situations where he'd have to do a bit more movement-wise, which you'd mm-hmm. say is good coaching, but like it really matters because it, it limited what they were able to do, and it kind of regressed what they'd been doing in previous years, like because you're only able to do certain looks to get to which Wagner can, can execute. And even right. then, there was mistakes where he just wouldn't. Well, it wasn't mistakes, but like teammates, you know, sort of thought he'd be playing a certain technique in the coverage, and he wasn't doing that. Probably because right. he, you know, uh, knew he wasn't doing that. But then it caused a real issue for the defense, or or they'd keep him in a an easier, less athletically taxing assignment uh, in coverage, and that would give up so much ground underneath. Uh, where if you had an actual more athletic player, you could then play more aggressive to stuff so he, he's just like honestly the more i speak about this the more i feel bad because obviously again i yeah. love bobby wagner future hall of famer yeah. seahawks legends like uh, yeah. ring of honor all of that great yeah. stuff and he's conducted himself brilliantly he's a very interesting uh guy off the field as well with, with the how he represents himself but also you know when he introduced those books at the podium and, yeah just an know, incredibly just, intelligent man like just uh, just very impressive with with everything that he's done in business like yeah right hearing him talk all that stuff but 
like it, it borders on him being a liability. And honestly, if if yeah. like Brooks Brooks or Barton are healthy, they're both like better players. So yeah, I don't you know it it doesn't really make sense as an ad. And hopefully he'll be able to you know uh, leverage his performance in terms of like the PFF grade, the tackle numbers. He had high tackle numbers, didn't he? And the um you know, the all pro status into a different team who's desperate to pay him. Say like the Bears, maybe that, you know, they traded Rokon Smith. Maybe they want a like one year stopgap veteran guy. Like Bobby should be able to get interest, but like I, I don't think like Seattle it wouldn't really be a good idea. Now he the one thing he is good at, as you said, Ty is blitzing and if you put him down at the line of scrimmage, that's where he's best. And that's how the Rams look to use him in passing situations a fair bit, like mugging the front and, and rushing. Cause he, he's actually like really, yeah. really good at that still. Um, yeah. yeah. If he can be like a utility, you know, rotational type of player for you, then great. But there's a certain cap on, you know, how much money I'm willing to spend on that. Right. So. And then the fact that like, just culturally, like Bobby's such a leader and presence that, you know, is he going to want to do that? Yeah. yeah. And, and well, when are you like, are you going, are you regressing for no reason as a team like um yeah i i think seattle is good at moving on with wagner they moved on at the right time yeah. and i doubt they'd want to go back they know why they moved on yeah the other thing too right is like you know bobby has said that like there's no hard feelings towards pete or john or anyone but you know he did feel slighted by a couple of people within the organization he didn't say who but I don't know if those, you know, he said that he's had conversations about that, you know, with, with those people, I, I, I guess. Um, I think he told Richard Sherman that on his podcast. But, uh, you know, are those wounds still fresh? Like, obviously, he did the whole eye emoji thing, but that's not really a confirmation necessarily. That's being that a good agent. Down to come back. Yeah. So, you know, one has to at least wonder here if he actually is open to coming back so soon after how everything went down but you know the the thing too though you know you mentioned someone like the bears i mean sure but like i don't know i feel like at this point for bobby it's probably not about like how much more money he can make it's probably just about like yeah can i get a That's, ring chef chef they said it was about winning for him so maybe yeah. there's a super bowl contender who likes what you know he'd add and obviously like he has massive respect from his uh, former teammates from you know what he brings on the field like his anticipation diagnosis uh leadership but just ability to read stuff probably stands out compared to say like uh first year mike linebacker jordan brooks who's still kind of learning all that stuff so from like a Diggs perspective having wagner's presence back would be big also he's an older guy like Diggs. like there's there's a young team yeah. in seattle now so but yeah. yeah as a super bowl contender like uh, if if you can find the right role and the right price and you, you feel you're just that one kind of rush linebacker super smart run down kind of linebacker away and you, you then maybe it's worth doing but for seattle it doesn't really make sense yeah right so seattle also has coaching news now in our past episode dave canales left he went to Tampa Bay. Seattle found his replacement in Greg Olson, not Greg Olsen. It's Greg Olson. Greg Olson. Yes. So it's not the former tight end. It is 
a guy who's been coaching since 1987 in uh, Washington State. He's 59 years old. He's from Washington, Richmond, Washington. And yeah, it's is really interesting hire because he's, he's got a wealth of experience. I remember he was heavily involved with like uh, John Gruden um, on the field, and uh, was the Raiders' offensive coordinator from 2013 to 2014. Came back to do that in uh, 2018 to 2021. Um, he's also got experience in the Ram system, which Waldron's running a derivative of, where he was their senior offensive assistant last year. He's been a quarterbacks coach for a lot of time as well. Um, Buccaneers, 2008-2009. Rams, 2017, quarterbacks coach there as well. So that... and. And also quarterbacks coaching uh, with the Detroit Lions and their offensive coordinator 2004, 2005. Oh, and and the Bears quarterbacks coach in 2003. So, and oh. the 49ers coach 2001. So basically, he's coached quarterbacks. He's also done it briefly at the college level as well. He's also been an offensive coordinator and he has that experience in a Gruden system, which why does that matter? Well, Pete Cowell at USC, he actually, uh, 2000 and something, he. He went and visited Gruden and took elements of his system to install in the kind of offensive philosophy that he wanted. So he's been a big a fan of what Gruden does X's nose wise for a while, and then the and then there is a similarity between Gruden and and what McVeigh does. And then obviously Waldron, he runs the McVeigh system. So Olsen has experience in that. So it seems like a really good hire and someone who, if the Seahawks resigned Geno Smith, which we presume they will great kind of different voice to take him forwards further you still have Kerry Joseph as the assistant quarterbacks coach and if you know that Seahawks do the surprising thing then this guy's got experience working with I mean no he hasn't been blessed with the best quarterbacks but mm-hmm. he, he's he's worked with quarterbacks so he's got a ton of experience yeah so it's an interesting uh Oh yeah, it's an interesting route for them as well. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. route for them to take. You know, because last time you and I were on here, we were talking about like, oh, we just think that it's going to be Kerry Joseph. He's going to get the promotion, and that's it. So I was, I was pretty surprised that they kept Kerry in his current role and uh, brought someone in from the outside. Um, I'm. Is there any sort of overlap with Greg Olson and anyone on the Seahawks offensive staff? Or Pete or anything like because it, well, it's w- Waldron, right? When was Wal? Because oh yeah, he, yeah. But Waldron, I think Waldron in 2017 was the tight ends coach. Yeah, and in LA. Yeah, and so um Olsen was the quarterbacks coach then. So there's that's yeah. some overlap. Yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, and so and, you get another guy that's yeah, yeah, Dickerson. So yeah, you get another guy that's been at least, you know, around McVeigh for a couple of years because he returned to L.A. last year to be, what, a, I think it was like senior offensive yeah. assistant or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's some connection there and uh, a bit of rapport. So it's kind of a, a natural fit. But, uh, yeah, I was still a little bit surprised that it wasn't just Kerry Joseph mm. and then they brought in someone else to be the assistant uh, quarterback yeah. coach. But mm. uh, Now, his big success would in terms of quarterback development, like obvious quarterback development, I mean, what was Jared Goff doing in 2017? I mean, that was kind of his breakout, right? 
was yeah. it 2017 Goff's breakout. So there you go. And then before that, he was the the Raiders offense coordinator 2013-2014. So did Derek Carr play well then? Uh, that was 2014 was the year that Carr won yeah. the starting job. Yeah, so he experienced with a young quarterback there. And also uh, with the Buccaneers in, in 2009, 2011. Josh Freeman. Josh yeah, Freeman. Josh, Josh yeah. Freeman, obviously. Really interesting career, but um, he, yeah. he, you know, he looked really good to start off with, didn't he? Um, yeah, like I think like 09, I think was Freeman's yeah. big year. Yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, there's a kind of young quarterback development and like early promise that, you know, mm, maybe, 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 but also I think, yeah, just wealth experience. Well, and clearly Gino is following Dave Canales to Tampa. Oh yeah. I forgot that's happening. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Interesting ad. Um, and then the the Seahawks not only lost Dave Canales, but they also lost Aaron Curry, which we're not used to Seahawks getting coaches hired away all the time, um, particularly offensive coaches with you know Canales. But uh, Curry was an interesting one because Curry was kind of a lateral move for him to leave and go to to Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, that is an interesting one. So he's he was coaching this past year the. He was listed as a defensive assistant, but he was coaching the outside linebackers, which, and before that, he'd coached DN. So he was basically an edge rush, edge defender coach. And mm-hmm. he's left to go be the inside linebackers coach in Pittsburgh. So maybe he just wanted a different experience. Obviously, Seattle's inside linebackers are coached by John Glenn, who's been on the staff since like basically right. the start of it all. And, um, so that that's kind of a blocked role, and Glenn's pretty good with the inside linebackers. The other f- factor here is Curry, I think, was given the opportunity and sort of brought onto the staff, alerted to the Seahawks uh, in 2019 when he first joined as just an assistant by Ken Norton Jr. And obviously now Ken Norton Jr. is no longer there, so it's just different relationships, how things change across the league. Right. And I don't know, maybe... I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to gain more experience coaching a different position and sort of work his way up. He is listed as an inside linebackers coach. There's no like assistant element to it anymore. So, and it's probably a slight pay rise, slight promotion to that all. But yeah, uh, Seattle needs to replace now the outside linebacker coach because they don't have one. They, and they're running a three, four, they need a guy to coach the edges. Uh, Damian Lewis coaches the interior of the defensive line. Clint Hurt obviously coaches the defensive line too. But um, Aaron Curry was coaching the outside linebackers and now isn't. And so Seattle needs an outside linebackers coach. I don't know who that would be. There's no obvious in-house replacement. Uh, I know Will Tukarafu is on the staff as an assistant. But... Um, right. He would not really be an outside linebacker, dude. So, yeah, yeah. Inter- interesting. To see. And that's not to say, like, you don't have to play the position to coach here. Maybe he is, but I, I doubt that's what he's been focusing on. But we'll see. That will yeah. probably an- be announced fairly soon, I'd imagine. Yeah. And uh, for Curry, he uh, links up with Terrell Austin, a former Seahawks coach, of course. So, 
There you go. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a cool story because, like, obviously, former first round pick, one of the like most infamous busts, if you could say that. And yeah. He's still just thirty six, and he's been. That was always so. Coach. That was always so weird to me, though, that he came back under Pete when like he wasn't part of the organization or like Pete wasn't part of the organization when he was in Seattle or I guess he was towards the end right and Pete Pete Pete's and John were the ones that yeah he was the one that like cut him right so like yeah I always thought that was kind of weird that uh, he ended up coming back Um, he's worked his way up the ladder like he was coaching um, the Charlotte 49ers who are I think D2 right Mm, maybe not just non F F FCS, FBS, yeah, the D one FBS, not gotcha. FCS. Um, but yeah, he worked throughout coaching the Charlotte Forty Niners, was the D line coach, and then, yeah, it, I like I said, I think it was more of a Norton thing, and Pete, I, he spoke about it once in a press conference, but I think he was like slightly skeptical at the start and sort of was won over. So, right. yeah, I've I watched a clinic he did, Aaron Curry on edge setting. It was just literally mm. a study of outside linebackers across the league how they set the edge. So, it's like moderately surprising that he was not. He just likes football. Yeah, good for him to to, to do that and a cool. Hopefully, story. continues to work his way up. Maybe he'll get a DC position here in a few years. Yeah, and you don't have to have played well to be a good coach and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah, clearly he knows ball at least, so it's good. He does, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's coaching stuff. The Seahawks coaching signed style. players, Ty. Ooh, that's right. Technically, yes. So Phil Haynes. Has been signed to a one-year, four million dollar contract with uh, incentives that can take it up to five, and then Nick Ballor signed a two-year deal, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. Do you? Uh, six point six million dollars over two years, uh, three point seven five million dollars this season. Yeah, um, it's a lot for a special teamer. Like, obviously, he's one of the better special teamers in football, but three plus million dollars a year like that's you don't typically see that for for guys that fill such a, a limited role especially at his age um good for him obviously but uh yeah i'm surprised yeah. they got aggressive on that i mean like both of these deals kind of seem like uh, the, the 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 money on them is pretty striking because like you look at the phil haynes situation as well like he's only played you know he's only started five games uh, he's been, you know, he's he hasn't been able to stay healthy for for most of his career, unfortunately. Like uh, that's that's a pretty aggressive offer on him, uh, and obviously a no brainer for him to take. Um, I just, I kind of, I kind of wonder, like, what ended up leading to that, like, why uh, the the Seahawks ended up landing on those numbers for both of those guys. Uh, what what made them get there? Like, did they actually think that there was going to be? a significant market for for both of those guys especially haynes like that's that's a really interesting one in terms of like were there other teams that they uh that they thought were going to be pretty aggressive on haynes and, and why and you know what does that su- suggest to us in terms of like how the rest of the league views phil haynes so yeah uh so brady henderson in his article he said that haynes appeared in uh 15 games last season three starts 
He ranked 29th in ESPN's pass block win rate among guards at 92.4%. And he had oh. a pass block win rate of 100% in five games. So maybe his pass throws done pretty good in that metric. But also, he was kind of a, like a halfway starter last year with Gabe Jackson being banged up, not being able to play as much football. Mm-hmm. Haynes turns 28 in October. It is slightly more than you'd expect, but... You know, they'll cut Gabe Jackson, I imagine. Yeah. And so you need to enter the draft with, like, no holes. That's what Seattle always does. They always try and have options. And so, I and, you know, at a certain point, you need to have players. And I guess Haynes is, is that kind of guy. And it's only a one-year deal. But, yeah, slight, slightly higher than you'd expect now. And and he'll be given the chance to lose that job of right guard. by And they'll draft a rookie to compete for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Now... Belor last year he earned a uh, four million, uh, almost four point five million dollars. So like it's a fair whack. Wow! And wow. he, I didn't he know is, that. Yeah, he is a special teams captain, which is obviously very important. Schneider yeah. in his radio segment on uh, Bob and Wyman, uh, Wyman and Bob described uh, it as uh, as described Belor as a core guy for them. Like so, he's obviously culturally very important. Yeah. He does turn 34 in, I think it's May. So he's getting up there. But like to be a good special teamer is big. Uh, I don't think he'll play as much linebacker, but he's, you know, he can do that in a very small pinch and he can, and he can play some fullback. Like, gotta let him tote the rock this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Seattle's special teams last year were pretty good. Um, and they obviously value, value special teams highly. But, right. Right. As they should. Uh, and they've obviously, you know, been pretty consistently one of the better special teams units in the last few years under Larry Ezio. So, uh, yeah, you know, keeping those guys together, you know, keeping the the continuity is is very important, uh, especially with with special teams where there's so much churning, uh, so much roster churning and everything. So, um, yeah, and, yeah, and with the with that Belor deal as well, being over two years, I need to see how it's structured. But I imagine the second year there's an easier way of getting out of that. Probably, you'd have to... probably. Yeah. Have to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the past, Seattle's paid slightly more than I for like, you know, kind of depth, like, yeah, borderline, like low quality starters or not premium positions. And the money quickly disappears. But I think Haynes is slightly more than you think. But both these players, I, I thought you'd want to bring back. So. Right. Sure. It's just the price is slightly higher, but then like the cap is going up, and below in particular, I think I'm fine with like it's just a very important yeah. player, like low key important. So, yeah, there you go. And credit to the pedestrian podcast, fellow UK Seahawks commentators who broke the below news. Shout out to Stu and, and uh, Adam, yeah, yeah, there you go. They scooped us, Ty bastards. Uh, when are we gonna get a scoop? Seattle oh, Overload Scoop. Tell me about it. Geno Smith has signed a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm working on that, yeah. <laughs> he just doesn't reply to my Instagram DMs about his financial details. So He weird. Twitter hates you, so... Yeah. You you, you ruined that connection last year. True, like, he's... Like, I'm muted, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's everything, Ty. I do believe that is everything. We had a, a lot to cover, and I that think... That was newsy. We, 
Yeah, and that was actually news, a pretty efficient news, way news, of uh, of covering it too. I think we, so we got all that done in like what forty ish minutes because I think we started around the seventeen minute mark on the recording. Yeah, yeah there was there was yeah. scallop and almond talk, and mm-hmm. if you yep. are listening, you should make or sure scallop. to check out the YouTube channel Matty F Brown where these videos are here, and you get a wonderful, very popular people pre podcast segment, which we never get complaints about. Definitely. And we're also on time all the time as well. If you want to join mm-hmm. us live. Nut okay. Debate. Like the video, please, everyone. Comment. Yes. Like it. Subscribe. Here, let's see how many let's see how many likes we got. We got yeah, thirty three people watching. Let's see how many likes we got compared and to download the podcast, five star review, follow time on Twitter at Dane Gunzelers, follow me at Matty F. Brown, follow the podcast at Seattle Overload. We'll be back Wednesday. Bit of combine talk. Pete Carroll and John Schneider will have been up at the podium. They did that on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Then we'll be back Thursday with a bit of combine reaction. And then we'll do, a hopefully, a Sunday episode recapping the whole combine. What numbers matter? What numbers don't? What players stand out as potential Seahawks? What players do not stand out as potential Seahawks? Wow. Who the I love the 40-yard dash. <laughs>